Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Welcome, everyone, to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm your host, Lindsay McCowan, and we're here on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. And today we are going to be talking about ancestral foods, intuitive eating, and banishing diet culture. Can you imagine what that would be like if we banished the diet culture? Ooh, that's a big one. So I want to ask you this question. Like, do you feel deeply nourished, like at a deep cellular level with your whole being? Now, if you don't, you're definitely going to want to have uh, stay tuned for this conversation because we're going to be diving into what true wellness means, what really getting deeply nourished means, and we'll be covering topics ranging from intuitive eating, stress reduction, and how to listen to your body's cues and clues as to what it really needs to be nourished and the importance of what we eat and how we eat it. So before I introduce our amazing guest today, I want to do what we always do is just take this moment to stop, pause, and breathe. So if you're in a place where you can close your eyes, do that. And just take a moment to feel into your body. Moving our attention from the busyness of the outer world into this place within us that holds such wisdom And just feel into your body in this moment. Do you feel deeply nourished? And then take a couple deep, full breaths into the belly. Send some nourishing breath down into the belly. And what do you need to feel deeply nourished in this moment? And trusting that there is a wisdom within you that can guide you to the nourishment that you need. Another deep breath in and out. Okay, my friends. So let's go ahead and come back so we can introduce Lisa Mazze, who is an incredible woman who has over 15 years of experience being a holistic nutritionist an herbalist, a wellness educator, and a food sovereignty activist. Now, she's trained in the wisdoms of and traditions of European herbalism, Ayurveda, macrobiotics, mindful intuitive eating, and Chinese five-element theory so that she can offer a comprehensive and a universal view of health. And Lisa migrated from Italy when she was a teen, and she's going to talk a little bit about her story because when she arrived, she was very shocked by the food that we eat in the United States in the way that we eat it. And this was the catalyst that really spurred her life's work as an adult so that it's really been a blessing to us all because in a way, because she now can offer us and teach us the principles of ancestral foods and intuitive eating. And currently she homesteads on occupied Abenaki land with her partner and children and is passionate about walking in the woods, writing poetry and making music, cooking seasonally, culturally appropriate foods and community. So we're not all about our work, but we can see how our work is really in, informs all the other aspects of our life. So thank you so much for being here, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So you're, you're chiming in from Vermont today. 
on the East Coast. That's right. So we were just talking right beforehand about how I was curious about how cold it is up there. And you're having some unusually warm weather for this time of year in Vermont. So um, I know it's kind of one of those situations where you feel like, oh, I'm glad it's warmer, but I'm afraid that because it's so much warmer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I would love to just start with just a little bit about your story because you, you grew up in Italy and it had a, the culture is very different and in, in its view around food and nourishment. So can you tell us what it was like to grow up in Italy? And I didn't really realize the privilege I had growing up in an intact food culture until I left. And um, I was so blessed to be one of a big family. Of course, I still am. There are 55 of us. My dad is one of eight children. And um, we spent a lot of our summers and winter breaks um, up in the Dolomite Mountains where my grandmother had a home um, that had really room for all of us, which was incredible. And she was, you know, getting us up at five o'clock in the morning and the wild edible and medicinal mushrooms are our best, you know, and we would, my cousins and I all suit up and get our gardening and harvesting baskets and head out into the woods and collect all kinds of things, make medicine with her. Of course, we always made all of our food from scratch. Had a huge cellar that we were filling with, you know, lacto-fermented veggies and elderberry syrup and other medicinal extracts and dried mushrooms. And we would make sausage and bread and, you know, you name it, right? That root cellar was always stocked. And we really ate from the gardens um, and in community. And we learned about gleaning at a young age, my grandmother's neighbor had an apricot orchard, which in that dry mountain climate, apricots do thrive, which is amazing. And he always let us and drops the apricots that he wasn't going well at market. So we would pick all the drops and, you know, learn how to cut out the little bad spots and make jam with my grandmother and just honey from the beehives and apricots all cooked down. This is kind of how I grew up, right? And um, it's not as though I lived in some mythical reality or I'm like 150 years old. You know, I came to the States 30 years ago. um, And this is very much still how my family lives. And yes, supermarkets have come to Italy. McDonald's certainly has come to Italy. Um, However, the kind of local small food system remains intact, right? Folks are still going to the butcher shop, going to the bread shop, um, going to the farmer to pick up milk, um, going to the market to get fruits and veggies. This is this is very common. Italian people do tend to shop most days to get a few provisions to complement what they already have. Uh, so I feel really fortunate that I was raised um, not only with the whole food, seasonal eating, kind of food as medicine culture, but also with the folk herbalist culture. I think that's something that not all Italians have. Um, So I kind of had that double blessing that I was able to carry forward. Um, And I, I feel like I lived a really 
wonderful and charmed um, childhood, not without its challenges, of course. Um, but true nourishment was was really readily available to me, and I was be grateful for that privilege because it it created the foundation for my body to be able to overcome many many challenges in my adult life. And so you came. What, how old were you when you came to the United States? I was almost thirteen. Mm-hmm. And so you had already established, you know, a really great foundation for your body, eating these amazing foods and, you know, culturally appropriate foods. And so when you came to the United States, what was your experience like as a child? Mm. Well, first of all, nobody and I emigrated to Kansas City, right, which is a wonderful place. Um, And I have been back since high school and it's thriving arts culture there. And certainly food culture. Um, however, I was noticing things um, like suburbia that wasn't really a paradigm for me. And just folks, you know, cultivating a lot of beautiful um, landscaping plants, right? But no food crops. That felt really confusing to me. Um, and, and I experienced my first supermarket, you know, bright lights, Everything is in shiny packages. Even the fruit and vegetables were in in packages. And I just remember going in there with my parents and saying, well, where's the food? We need food. And I couldn't find any food. I felt really confused. And the store was really large. um, And I feel like we kept getting turned around. Um, It was was very disconcerting. Um, I also didn't really grow up going to restaurants. you know, my dad would always say, why would you go out to eat when you can make it better at home? Um, and I think that's a very typically Italian um, and potentially European way of seeing things. And sort of the way we went out to eat, which is actually something that's happening in um, that northern part of Italy at this time of year, is that we would go participate in farm feasts. So it's this concept called um the German word Torglin, which means gathering. So at this time of year, farmers are gathering the harvest. You know, they're making their own wine. They're gathering all of their wild game, their rabbit and their venison, gathering all of their vegetable crops and dairy. And they open up their farms to feasts and people can come from the community, contribute, help them bring in some of their harvest, help them cook. And then everybody sits down together at long tables for an extended three or four hour feast. And and it's a beautiful celebration, right? The actual true meaning of Thanksgiving, um, not tied up in white supremacy culture um, and the myth of Thanksgiving that lives in the United States. These are truly beautiful feasts. um, And that was our version of a restaurant, I guess you would say, right? Wow. So then in the U.S., I also encountered restaurants and I was very confused by those as well. And it's like, why were the service people not sitting with the eating people and, you know, kinds of um, culture shock experiences related to food? It's such a beautiful um, eye opening uh, experience in the sense that, OK, where like when you first walked into that big supermarket and you're like, where is the food? Like. You know, we walk into a f- supermarket like this all around you, but you as a young child, before you've had all of this conditioning come in, you're like, where is the food? Because it doesn't even look or feel 
um, real to you. And then this idea of going into a restaurant and being curious, like, okay, why aren't, why isn't everyone sitting down and eating together in community, which is, you know, I had never even thought about that until you mentioned that. It's like, okay, we were really missing out on the opportunity to sit and commune together and be really together. Like everybody, the people that have prepared the food, the people that have harvested it, the people that, you know, are consuming it or, you know, everyone seems to be contributing in some way to the experience, which seems very beautiful, a bit idyllic and also, um, nearly impossible to implement in the United States. <laughs> um, so, you know, with that in mind, you know, when you're coming here and you're experiencing these, this huge contrast at a young age, and I'm sure you, I don't know why, uh, what you studied in college, but I know that you've had this deep background in uh, nutrition and Ayurveda. And would you say that these experiences are what really catalyzed you to to share this knowledge? 1000%. Yes. Already in high school, I was, um, you know, kind of going through the process of assimilation to protect myself from a ton of judgment um, from American students. Um, Not to judge them. I think they just didn't really understand, right? But it was like from a different culture and, as I did make friends, the first thing to do was invite them over to my house. You know, I asked my parents, is it okay? I invite these like five or six people over. I want to cook for them. I want to show them, you know, how to make gnocchi or have yali or, you know, braised beef. It's like they need to, nobody knows how to make any of this stuff, you know, and my parents were very kind and thoughtful and said, of course, you know, have them over and we would all cook together. Um, and so I feel like, my food activism and my desire to instill food sovereignty and control over food in my community really started in high school. And so where would, where would we even begin? Because, you know, I'm listening to your story like, Oh, it just sounds so beautiful, but you know, our lifestyle in the United States is just one where we are really overworking and overdoing. We have hold so far away from like real community and we live in a culture that perpetuates isolation and separation and competition, and which is not one of where we, you know, sit and share and contribute in a way that um, feels really enriching. So where would we even begin? And like, where would we even like we supermarkets are the thing like and it's very difficult to find even high quality food in the high quality food supermarkets. So where do we begin? I love that question. Um, and I, the entry points are a little different for everybody, depending on where you live. Um, and likely you have somewhere near you. Um, go online, look it up through your state organizing association, or just search for farmers markets in your area. There is definitely one. Create um, family culture, community culture around going to the farmer's market. You can get fruits and veggies there from local farmers. You can also get food. So it's fun, right? Let's go to the farmer's market and get a snack, right? My kids are obsessed with that because they have their favorite croissants that they get only at the farmer's market. Um, meet farmers. You know, if you end up making a connection with a farmer, 
ask them if you can come and help out on the farm, you know, in exchange for some produce, if that's something that sounds interesting or appealing. Um, try to relocalize your own community's food system. Are you connected with somebody in your neighborhood? Um, is there ever an exchange that could happen between a couple of households where, say, on a Saturday or Sunday, um, you make a pot of soup and they make a pot of soup and everybody comes over to your house. You eat together and then you get quarts of the soup that they made. They take home two quarts of the soup that you made. Then everybody has some soup for the week. You had a community time where you got to eat together and you created some sort of connection around understanding what your food preferences are, what your neighbor's preferences are. Um, could you create a food swap? You end up going apple picking and picking a ton of apples and making all this applesauce. And do you have somebody in your community who loves growing food and, you know, grew a ton of cabbage and made sauerkraut? Well, maybe you can trade a jar of applesauce for a jar of sauerkraut and um, create a little bit of connection around food. Um, one idea, do you know anything about your heritage or your ancestry? Can you find out grandparents came from, grandparents came from? Um, can you find out what foods are indigenous to those places and start saying, oh yeah, I really like artichokes or yeah, I do really like potatoes and start kind of bringing those foods intentionally into your cooking. And there's a couple of things that come to mind uh, around this topic. And I, I want to definitely jump into this idea around, um, well, first of all, the I don't like to cook <laughs> and yes, I feel, yes. so, yeah. And I feel, I, I really feel so overwhelmed right now in my life. Um, even going to the grocery store feels overwhelming. And I know that um, there's a lot of other women out there that are householder, you know, caretakers and like, what do we do? Like, it just feels like too much. Everything right now feels like too much. So even pulling together uh, a meal I mean, I just had a couple people over for dinner the other night. It wasn't a communal meal, which probably would have made it a lot easier, but I was exhausted preparing it. I felt like I had to take half the day off to do it. And it was beautiful, but I was exhausted from it because I'm already exhausted. So I need things to be really super, super simple. So maybe we can talk about that when we come back. Um, and also this idea, what you just brought up. Um, maybe start to think about the fad diet culture and how looking into our ancestral lineage to see what are the foods that are right for us because one diet does not fit all. So, okay, let's just, okay, now I'm getting a cue that we have to go to break after jumping, dumping all of that on you. So, <laughs> so this is what we're going to be talking to uh, Lisa Mazze when we come back from break. So definitely hang out and wait for us to come back and, and dive into these topics and while you're taking a moment, um, just consider being a sponsor of this show. This is a show for women, by women, and we're bringing really incredible topics to the table for discussion. So if you're really inspired and you want to see this show grow and continue, then reach out to me at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com, and I can share with you the benefits of being a sponsor besides helping to keep this show running. I'll talk to you. We'll be back in a second. 
Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello and welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. This is Lindsay McCowan and we are here today with Lisa Maze. And we've been having an incredible conversation already and we're going to dive right back in because I don't want to lose any time because it's important for us to talk about how fad diets do not fit all of us and that how they are not actually not healthy for us. And so, and also how can we create um, some simplicity around creating meals and coming into community and really deeply nourishing ourselves. And just so everyone knows, we're having just a little bit of tech issues today. So if we are kind of jumping in and out, then please just stay with us because um, it's just part of living in a modern world with technology. Sometimes we have tech issues. So if you can be patient with us and still be with us, that would be great. So Lisa, are we ready for this next piece? Definitely. And I love the question of how to nourish ourselves and how to keep it simple when life feels so full. Um, And when that nervous system overwhelm feels like it's dominating and draining us and exhausting us. Um, and I something am right I here in this moment. So I really yes, want to hear this. <laughs> I hear you. Um, something I suggest to a lot of folks, um, whether or not you like to cook, and I totally understand and respect that people get sick of cooking or don't enjoy it, um, is to get an instant pot. It's really kind of like... Um, the fanciest version of a slow cooker that's out there. And the thing I like about it is that you can make virtually anything you want really quickly and easily. So, you know, if you want to make where you would have to saute some veggies and then add other ingredients, bring it to a boil, the Instant Pot does all of that for you. It sautés, it brings to a boil, it cooks slowly. It does all the things. It's fairly affordable. It's under a hundred dollars. And um, you can literally throw things into a pot the night before or in the morning, whenever you feel like you have time. And then at the end of the day, you have a meal or the next morning or the next day at lunch, you have a meal ready for you. Um, I have lots of recipes um, for slow cooker ideas on my website, harmonizedliving.com. 
there are tons of recipes out there in general. Um, and I think that can be a really great tool. I also think having a rice cooker um, where you can put in any grain, not just rice, you know, quinoa, millet, barley, anything you can think of, any grains that you enjoy. Um, and you can have hot grains ready for you as well. So really simplifying what you want to prepare in terms of food, I think is step number one. Um, and using a lot of different spices to add flavor and interest um, so that things, you know, feel easy to prepare, but also feel flavorful, um, I think is key. And then trying to set aside some time um, during time off for some batch cooking, right? Um, so saying, okay, I am going to make a big batch of soup um, that I can keep in the fridge, or I am going to make a big casserole that I can keep in the fridge and reheat. And I'll spend a couple hours over the weekend doing that, right? We also have a lot of great um, options for grocery delivery services. Um, getting your groceries delivered can sometimes feel like it takes out the stress. Yes, you don't all everything you request. Yes, sometimes you get weird substitutions for things. And sometimes that feels a little bit more manageable than actually going to the store, um, getting everything, getting it in the car, unloading, right? Um, getting lost then, in the massive supermarket. Oh, yes, uh, yes. And so I walk ordering- into those things and I feel like a deer in headlights. I feel like my nervous course. overload. Of course. And sometimes just avoiding those spaces can actually feel healing in and of itself. Um, and then making a meal plan, making a meal plan for the week, you know, as you're making a meal plan, also writing your shopping list, then going online and ordering your groceries. And um, right. And in our household, we have little kids and um, our meal plans tend to be sort of repetitive. Um, and that's something that works, you know, like every Monday we have rice and beans and we might add in, you know, different kinds of um, raw chopped veggies to that or, if somebody had time to roast some sweet potatoes, we might have that along with it, right? Um, we might have some avocado. So different ways of having kind of a base meal. Um, and then and that meal sounds so simple too. It's like just, just the base is so simple. Like we can all make rice is. and beans and then you can just add other things into it to change it up and make it even more nutritious. That's so it doesn't right. have to be a big elaborate, you know, meal. No, it can be so nutritious and something I love too with that kind of meal is that you have the base and, you know, you can literally throw rice in your rice cooker and then open a can or two of beans, drain, rinse, throw them in with the hot rice, mix it up. The beans get heated up. That's it. You're done. Right. And then it's like one of my kids throws avocados at the wall if they even think about eating them. And then the other one would eat like five avocados if they could. Right. So it's like the avocados are on the table Whoever wants them can have them. The cheese slices are on the table, right? Create your own ideal plate, which I think is also a part of raising children and supporting grownups who have choice around food, because I think diet culture creates a restrictive mentality. The clean plate club um, concept creates this mentality around um stepping away from hunger and satiety cues, hunger and fullness cues, 
which I think then can lead into disordered eating, can lead into diet culture. So like this is what's on the table. People do. Everybody gets to feel empowered around some creativity within the foundation of their meal, whether it's rice and beans or lentil soup um, or, you know, build your own taco night or pasta night. Right. And, um, and there's happening um, with a gargantuan effort. Yeah. Hopefully. And so let's, let's talk a little bit more about the fad diet culture and this, this whole like one size fits all approach and how that isn't actually supportive of our own um, ancestry and our own DNA and what would be actually healthy for us. Absolutely. I kind of like to say that for every process out there, there's um, a fad diet to match, right? Um, because, you know, it's trying to restore balance, right? However, the happening is that both ends of the spectrum are a little bit extreme. Processed food isn't actually food. The body doesn't recognize it as food because it's and the body needs, you know, the bran and the germ that cover the outside of a rice kernel in order to be able to digest that carbohydrate, for example, right? Um, so white, unless it's inherently white, is problematic. So processed foods are just inherently harder to digest. Digestive system gets weakened, and then a fad diet comes out to say, I'm going to help you restore your metabolism and strengthen your digestion. Um, when ultimately are all and the foods that are ideal for digestion programmed into our DNA to be most digestible. And most of us are a, a mosaic of many different cultural backgrounds, right? So a lot of people ask me, well, how do I determine my ideal ancestral foods, right? You know, you can do an ancestry test, a test, and really figure out what percentage is Welsh or Polish or African, right? Um, and you can also tune in to those different foods from those different cultural traditions and say, you know, sauerkraut really does work for me. Um, and that may be part of my Polish heritage. And I'm speaking for myself right now. Um, but potatoes, you know, they're from my Welsh heritage, but I don't really do well with potatoes. I feel loaded and gas after I eat potatoes. So it's like, okay, I might just have a little more of the Polish in me than the Welsh, right? Um, and I think that tuning in is ultimately a way to determine what's best for us. Um, and all traditional nutritional philosophies being in a certain way as a therapeutic health intervention, right? Um, even the Mediterranean diet with which I grew up talks about, okay, in the spring and fall, let's simplify what we eat, right? Just veggies and grains um, and legumes, beans and lentils for a week or so, just to kind of the system reset, keep it so that the body doesn't have to think so hard right, about what it's doing in terms of digestion. Um, however, a therapeutic dietary intervention isn't a way of life. It's about a moment in time. It's about saying, 
I would help outcome, you know, to feel, um, to feel lighter and like my digestion is moving the way that I want it to, or to get over a virus like the common cold, right? Um, helping my body to detoxify or to reset and reuse hormones during hormonal transitions. You know, so many examples, right, of when we could therapeutically use food in a really specific way of eating to help restore balance, restore wellness. But again, not a way of life and different for everybody. And I like how you bring in food for healing instead of just going and taking another prescription drug. I'm not saying that prescription, all prescription drugs are bad. We need them for certain things, but we tend to just automatically go to the drugstore and grab something off the shelf when we're not feeling well. And then that creates oftentimes more toxicity or disrupts our gut health which is the center of our immune system really. And, um, and, but if we can approach it from eating the, the foods that will really support our immune system and see how that does for us, like really heal through food, I feel like it would just really set our whole body up for greater healing or greater, you know, health in the long run. So we wouldn't be getting as sick as often because we don't already, we're not healing ourselves with things that are actually causing more issues later on down the line. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think you are right on. And, you know, the gut is the seat of immunity. It's the innate immune system, the first line of defense. And it's also home to um, neurotransmitters that secrete all of our mood modulating hormones. It's not all of them, but a large, large percent of them. So, We all know when our digestion is feeling off, our mood is also off, right? And there's a very good reason for that. Um, We know when we're trying to shift out of a certain way of eating and maybe eating less processed food, our mood gets off, right? Because the gut bacteria that loves that processed food is kind of slowly um, shifting into the background, but it's hungry. So it's sending messages to the brain saying, Feed me. You're not giving Give me the me sugar. more sugar. Exactly. <laughs> and it actually only takes two to three days for that gut bacteria to get the message and say, okay, I'm taking a back seat now. Um, but during that time period, as gut flora is resetting, there's also a reset of the neurotransmitters that secrete all of our mood modulating hormones. And so the gut is absolutely the seat of so much of what helps us be in the world and make it through our day. And I think it's so important to remember that when we're feeling off balance, mood wise, energy wise, the thought is, let me go to caffeine, let me go to sugar, right? Because those are comfort foods, right? However, really, in those moments, the most kind of healing intervention tool is, let me go to the rice and beans, let me go to the veggies, right? All of these things that feed gut bacteria, um, that nourish those mood modulating neurotransmitters, um, and that actually do help us to heal. Um, But that's a tricky one. That's a big hurdle. And I tend to say, if you want the chocolate, have some chocolate. And have some roasted squash too, right? Make it into a both and. Sounds pretty good. So good. (laughs) Well, and I also love how you bring it back to like, 
this such importance around the gut. And, you know, obviously you've studied Ayurvedic and I'm from the Tantra yoga lineage. So Ayurveda is a very important part of our tradition. And that this is really the seed of your power. It has so much wisdom there. And we talk about this, having to get that digestion, that digestive fire really strong, not just so that we can digest our foods, but when that's also strong, then your mood is strong. Then you are able to process all the stuff that's coming in around you, which is a lot. And you're actually able to really stand in a much more powerful, clear way. Did you want to speak a little bit to to that? Absolutely. So it's really all about nervous system modulation, right? And that digestive fire, that um, agni is the Sanskrit word for um, that comes through the Ayurvedic tradition is really the fire that fuels our glands, our hormonal system, right? The glandular system in Ayurveda and yogic tradition is known as the chakras or the wheels, right? So that keeps the wheels turning. It keeps us digesting our food. It keeps us producing energy and it helps our nervous system to regulate so that we're not anxiously grabbing at foods or experiences, but we're able to kind of pause, center and say, okay, now what do I really need to be nourished? What do I really need to be nourished? Which comes back to that when we did the drop-in, like how do we know? And we have to really be able to set ourselves up for that wisdom to come through. And we don't set ourselves up very well if we're constantly pulling from you know, resources such as caffeine and sugar and packaged foods. And, you know, you mentioned something about how, you know, this is the seat uh, that can help regulate our hormones. And, you know, a lot of our listeners um, are in perimenopause or postmenopausal um, states. And we would love to talk to you. I'm in perimenopause and it's, you know, it's an interesting ride. I can tell you that. So <laughs> I would love just to be... <laughs> <laughs> be able to talk a little bit like how what is what are the some of the things that we can start to feed our bodies that will help with some of the symptoms that come up you know the brain fog the hot flashes the just sometimes I feel like I'm not even in my own body at times like I'm having more difficulty to tap into the intuitive wisdom that I'm so used to tapping into so can we talk about that when we come back from this short break absolutely okay Great. So if you're listening, please join us um, after this short break so that we can continue this amazing conversation. And we'll talk about how we can start to regulate our hormones. And I'm sure this doesn't just apply to people that women that are in perimenopause, because if you're a woman, you have a lot of hormones that fluctuate every month. So stay tuned and we'll be right back with Lisa Maze. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, You awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. 
you stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. And we're having a conversation around getting deeply nourished through whole foods and um, really learning how to listen to our intuitiveness around food. And before we left for break, we were diving into what would we do with all these hormones in a very transitionary time in our life. For me, I'm in perimenopause and having all the all the things. And uh, I can't wait to hear from Lisa. Uh, what the heck do I do about this? <laughs> <laughs> Help me, woman. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is the Especially benefit of so being a get, uh, the host of a show. I get to ask all the things that I need. So please help me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and I think that this is something, as you said before the break, that folks are experiencing even prior to going through this particular hormonal transition. So there is an incredible and... Um, time-tested tradition of using seeds to regulate um, reproductive hormone cycles. So um, if you feel like you're experiencing a shorter cycle, which is looking like low progesterone, which is what heads us towards menopause, um, really increasing your intake of sesame and sunflower seeds. And I like to do this through making little energy bites, right? So grinding up sesame and sunflower seeds in an espresso bean grinder, or getting tahini, sesame seed butter and sunflower seed butter, mixing them together, you know, with a little raw honey, some shredded coconut, if you like that. Um, And always including ground flaxseed meal, because the lignans in the flaxseed, the liver detoxify excess hormones. So flaxseed, 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 that's really the name of the game. Um, And those sesame and sunflower seeds, you know, during the second half of the cycle post-ovulation can be really supportive with any PMS symptoms, with stretching out a shorter cycle, um, and with just dealing with all of the emotionality that comes with hormonal fluctuations. Um, During the first half of the cycle, you know, just during bleeding and right after, um, lifting on pump and also more flaxseed meal, flaxseed, 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 um, flaxseed. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> can be really helpful. Um, and again, using the energy bites, you know, I'll do almond butter and ground seeds and flaxseed meal during the first half. And then in those energy bites, you know, you can go on my website to get these recipes, but I really like to include cinnamon because that's a blood glucose stabilizer, right? So we're not having any kind of erratic 
peaks and valleys in our blood glucose, which can lead to crankiness and hot flashes and insomnia. Um, sounds appealing, including herbs as well. You know, red clover flower is the ultimate uh, kind of perimenopause, menopause harmonizer. Drinking that as tea, taking it as a tincture, a medicinal herbal extract. Um, so Lisa, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second because you went out just for a moment. I don't want anyone to miss that. Did you say red clover flower? That's but right. Not, like as a flower, not as a, as a flower meal, like F-L-O-W-E-R. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And red clover is super common. Um, it's, you know, some people even consider it a weed um, and it's incredible at helping with hormonal regulation. The other one is vitamin. Also known as chicory. Chicory. Vitex, chase chicory berry. Okay. Yeah. And taking that as a tincture um, or activity. So, um, what we call amphoteric in herbalism, meaning if I have too much of a hormone, the vitex goes in there and says, let's turn down the volume on. And if I have too little of one, Vitex says, let's kind of punch that up, right? There aren't any foods that actually contain estrogen or progesterone, but and all of those foods and herbs give the body the tools that it needs to regulate those. So that's beautiful. Again, these foods are just so like food is healing. If we understand what foods to take into our bodies, um, that if we give it the right environment, the right foods, then the body has this wisdom to understand how to heal, to regulate its hormonal system. So I love that. And I appreciate you sharing the, the red clover, flaxseed, 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 <laughs> and Vitex. Um, and so if people really want to like dive in more deeply into this work with you, I mean, I, your website is so full of so much information. You have recipes, you have movement practices, um, all of this is for free. And then you also have mini courses that are like in recipes that, um, like a seven day reset. And you also have a 28 day meal plan as well as some other coaching that you can do for the individual, which is really powerful. And it's a beautiful website. So tell us where your website is. It's harmonized-living.com. Is that correct? That's right. Harmonized-living.com. And okay. Yeah, if you're feeling overwhelmed even by what to cook, um, getting that meal plan to guide you through a month, you know, even broken down, you know, for this time of day, um, all of the prep sessions are ideally less than 30 minutes and something to go off of and a starting point to then pick out your favorites and create your own meal plans. Yeah. I love that. Just to give you a starting point. So I'm definitely, I was looking at it before the show, like, Ooh, I want that. I want that. I want that. This looks, if it's easy <laughs> and it looks yummy, I'll do it. Um, so then tell us you have like, you know, this inspiration. I think you're in the middle of writing a book. Am I correct? I am. Yes. Very exciting. Um, and I and know before, be out. Oh, go ahead. Tell us when it's going to be out. It'll It'll be out in 2023, um, hopefully, you know, in the middle of the year through Inner Tradition, the Healing Arts Press. And if you're excited, if you want to pre-order the book, you can just sign up for my newsletter on my website. It's a great way to get info about classes, 
about the book and to get recipes. I send it out twice a month um, with just wellness tools, recipes, inspiration to keep you going. So twice a month, you're getting recipes and inspiration to keep going on this journey, which is great because how I mean, I'm always at a loss. I was like, what am I going to cook now? But if I'm getting it in my inbox, it's just great. I'm like, oh, well, let's see what's in this. Now, I know when we talked a few weeks ago, one on one, you hadn't come up with a name or a title for the book yet. <laughs> have you have you landed on one yet? Am I allowed to ask that? You are, and we're still working on it. My editor and I are getting closer, um, but we're not there yet. So consider that this book is about ancestral eating. It's about learning the tools to really listen to your body's own cues for nourishment, because our body's always giving us messages about what it needs. And we really ultimately need to listen. Um, It's about food sovereignty, taking control over your food, understanding your heritage, finding ways to really dive into that. Um, And it also has a lot of recipes and meal plans and inspiration from a lot of um, traditional healing modalities. So I hope that it's something that's inspiring and engaging and and a tool so that ultimately I can make myself obsolete. Yeah, I love that when you told me that uh, several weeks ago that you would really, like your goal is to be obsolete. And so it's not about And I think that's just such a beautiful way of reframing things in our culture. That's all about what can I get? What can I, you know, from working with people instead, you're offering this beautiful service so that eventually one day people won't even need you. Um, Instead in our culture, we're like, okay, we want to make everyone need me forever. You know, I don't ever want. And so this is really part of the show is about talking about the rise of the feminine And this is a very feminine approach to like, how can we really bring in deep nourishment and beauty in a way that we're living in community and we're we're no longer in this competition with each other, but we're serving each other and helping each other heal and transform and thrive. So I really appreciate you sharing that and being brave enough to say, I don't want people to need me. I want people to have their own sovereignty and be obsolete one day, because that means that I've done my work. That's absolutely right. Totally agree. Yeah. So we only have a few minutes left of the show. Is there anything that you, that we haven't talked about that you would really like to share with our listeners? I think just kind of to recap, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, like it's so challenging to make food choices that are supportive for you, for your loved ones, um, start by going back to things that are really simple, right? Like if you know that people in your family like rice, start making rice more often. Um, If you love roasting root vegetables, beets, carrots, parsnips, sweet potatoes, make a tray of roasted root vegetables, right? A little oil and salt in the oven, 45 minutes, you can walk away while they're roasting. Um, If you know that people in your family or in your household like chicken, just get a chicken, shove it in the oven you know, 20 minutes per pound, it's done. Um, Start really simple and, you know, try things out like making a soup. And, and you'll find that your palate will adjust. And you'll get to that place where it doesn't feel as overwhelming. Yeah. And so Lisa, the last question I have for you is what does thriving mean to you? 
I think it's from a system perspective, a place of feeling like I, I am here, I am grounded when all of the changes and challenges and surprises of the day kind of come my way. I have enough resource inside of to pause and say, okay, how am I going to embrace this situation as opposed to reacting to it um, and creating more strength in my body? How am I going to embrace it with my big loving hug of who I am and then figure out what to do from that place of taking care of myself first? I love that. Like you are just grounded and centered and can really um, just respond and not react to life. So thank you so much for that. So we've been listening um, and having a conversation with Lisa Mize and definitely go to her website, harmonized-living.com. So you can get recipes and some support from her. She's amazing. And I'm going to be doing the same. And just know that we have this show every Thursday, 10 a.m., Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And if you love the show and you want to see the show thrive and continue on, then consider being a sponsor of the show. Just reach out to me at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com and we can chat about how you can support us and the benefits that you'll receive as being a sponsor of the show. So until next time, my friends, many blessings and much love. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.